What is the upskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX GamerCast Run, episode 73 of my little gaming show, and we are here. We have made it. It is the finale of season two of the GX Plus cast, and we are finishing it off in style with the XE Awards, my annual award show. I don't know. This is the only the second one, so there you go. But it is time to award the best and one award for a little bit of the not best, but mostly the best of my year of 2023. And I would encourage y'all, let me know what was your favorite games, movies, TV shows of the year as I let you know what my favorite stuff was throughout this insane year that was 2023. But before we dive into the awards... Let's talk about what I've been up to over the last week or so, and again, I always encourage y'all, the listener, the viewer, what have you been up to over the last week or so? What games have you been playing since Christmas? What's what's the first game you dived into in 2024? What movies, TV shows have you been diving into? And here we go. So, been watching quite a few shows this week. I finished off Blue Eyes Samurai, finished off that show last night. It was Awesome, a very awesome show right there. Really enjoyed the the animation of the show was awesome. Really liked the way that it looked. The story was a very well done story of revenge and really enjoyed the fight scenes in this uh, show as well. The characters are pretty good. I would highly recommend this show. I really enjoyed that, so we did that one. And then my wife and I, we absolutely just binged gen v this is on prime and it's one of the um sub shows in the boys series franchise and it takes place in like a superhero high school evolved around some of the younger superheroes and really enjoyed the show as well all three of the the boys shows the um the animated one the name of it just eludes me right now but i really enjoyed that one I still think The Boys, just the the normal, the regular show, that's still my favorite of the three. But Gen Z was really good. My wife and I, we just binged the whole entire season in, a, in one day. Really enjoyed it. I thought, again, the characters were good. Story was good. And I really enjoyed um, the universe that they're building around The Boys. That it's not like they're doing um, other people's stories in the same universe. It's really interesting. And of course, the way that they ended the show, oh buddy, I uh, got me very excited, so I can't wait to see where they're going to be going next with Gen V. But yeah, it was a really easy, solid watch. I just wanted to watch the next episode to the next episode, and that's exactly what we did. So that was that was a good time. Watch that. And then we dived into The Witcher on Netflix. So I know this is a little bit of a... A love-hate show, kind of because of the controversies that have gone around uh, this show, outside of the show itself, but some of the actors have been a little bit naughty, but it's been on our list for a very long time, and we, you know, had some time, we're like, fuck it, let's, let's start watching The Witcher and see how it goes, and honestly, I wish I was, I watched it earlier this year when I was actually playing through The Witcher 3, that would have been really awesome. So, but I still remember a lot from The Witcher 3, and I'm getting connections here from the television show. It's good so far. Um, it's honestly, it can be a little bit boring uh, at, at certain point, points. Uh, some of the dialogue just kind of draws itself out. That's kind of the problem with TV shows in me. Like, 
That's why I'm a little bit more on the movie side because movies, it's like, bam, we get the whole thing tied up, wrapped in a bow in hopefully two hours or so. With TV shows, it's, you know, this is what I think three seasons, fourth season incoming of the, of the Witcher. So it's gonna, you know, some stuff's gonna get drawn out, uh, drag it out and, and try to extend the show, but there's some good action. I will say that, uh, was it Henry Cavall as the Witcher, Geralt, he is really good, man. I have to, he's very, very good. I know he's been naughty, but I got I got to commend that he's doing a fantastic job playing Geralt. I think he's damn near nailed um, the way that Geralt is. So very well done there. I'm enjoying all the other characters from the video game starting to pop up here and there. What is it, Yaskier or something like that? He's like the the singing guy, and he's the the comic relief of the show. And I'm telling my wife, he wasn't that in there in The Witcher 3, but I understand why he's in the TV show more. Gotta have that comedy in there as well, right? And obviously, it's a, it's a mature show. There's some sex and booby, stuff like that, and they have the creature fights. So, The Witcher, he fights a lot of creatures and beasts and stuff. I will say, so far, early on in the show, the CGI isn't very good looking. It's not bad, but it's definitely noticeably like a TV show uh, CGI, not like a big movie production CGI. And I will just say, I'm not a fan of CGI, period. Much prefer practical effects. I would take a shitty practical effect over a really good CGI effect any day of the week. That's just the way I am. But it's uh, it's good, man. The, the action's there. I'm not in love with the show. Like, if my wife says she's done with it, I won't fight to, to stick around with it. But I'm watching it, and there's some parts that are enjoyable. Do I highly recommend it? No. I don't highly recommend The Witcher unless you're a really big Witcher fan, which... I can't really t- I can't really say that I am a huge Witcher fan. I played The Witcher 2, didn't love it. Took me a long time to love The Witcher 3, but finally did love it. So, yeah, I mean it's it's a solid show, it's fantasy and all that stuff. So, if it's not that not really your cup of tea the fantasy stuff, which honestly it isn't for me all the time, certain shows, yes, but it's okay. So far it's okay. We're almost done the first season and yeah, there's been some ups, there's been some downs. And now let's talk about some video games. Didn't watch any movies, but I've been playing some video games. So, absolutely destroying Resident Evil 4 Remake. This game is spectacular. I am loving every minute of it. I am, I'm already pretty much at the end. I'm, I'm basically right here at the final boss fight. And I'm at that part when you're, when you're playing a really good game that you're just loving. And you know the ending is coming up. You just kind of... I just put the controller down, honestly. I'm like, okay, I'm done. And I just, I don't want this adventure to be over. I'm, I'm like 17 hours into this game. It's very long for a Resident Evil game, but it has not felt long. I'm just flying through it, enjoying every minute of it. I haven't decided yet what I want to do. Uh, if I'm going to do a Resident Evil 4 remake review, or if I'm going to do a Resident Evil 4 remake versus Resident Evil 2 remake, I may still just do the Resident Evil 4 remake because I can just go off on this game and just talk about how amazing it is. But I want to do a versus. It's been a minute, and I think I'm playing Resident Evil 2 and 4 at the same time, so... Let me know if, if if there is a, if you want both or just one of them, let me know. But I'm kind of leaning towards the verses. But goddamn, I am just in love with Resident Evil 4. I was talking to my buddy at work 
He's a big Resident Evil 4 fan, and he's been dying for me to finally get it. And, oh, man, we just had a big, like, 20-minute conversation about the differences, the the new things, the 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 old things that are kind of the same, and, like, all the little differences that we're noticing. And, yeah, we just had a big old nerd out conversation about it. And, yeah, this game is absolutely worth the hype. I admittedly, you know, kind of... When it was getting nominated for Game of the Year. And I'm like, I'm a little bit of a stickler with that. Where, like, remakes and remasters and stuff like that. I think they should be put into their own category. But Resident Evil 4, man, it is, um, like, it's it's almost perfect the way that it's familiar but new enough. Like, I was telling him how within 10 minutes uh, my confidence was completely gone. I thought I knew Resident Evil 4 front to back, which I do. But the remake uh, completely changed my world with in no time. And I was scared and terrified and, and yeah, off, off you go. So Resident Evil 4 has been incredible. It's not making the cut for the 2023 awards. I'm not done it yet. We're in 2024 now. So it's going to be pushed into the 2024 category conversation. And yeah, but absolutely loving this game. It is amazing. And if it's still on sale, I got it 50% off on PlayStation uh, the store for $40. I mean, you cannot go wrong. This game is very awesome. And I already want to play it again. I'm not even done it yet. So, and I do not do that very often. So there's a very special video game right here. And as I said, I am playing Resident Evil 2 Remake very slowly. I would say for every five hours I'm putting into Resident Evil 4. I'm getting 45 minutes to an hour into Resident Evil 2 Remake. Uh, Not because I don't like it, it's because it absolutely terrifies me. (laughs) And yeah, so there's that. I am getting through Resident Evil 2. I don't know, I'm maybe halfway through Claire's, um, what do you call it, campaign right now, and it's terrifying. And I'm having a hard time getting through it because I'm so scared. So I'm playing through that, and I did pick up Dave the Diver bought that, started playing it, and oh buddy, is it ever the perfect on-the-side video game? Maybe I'm watching a hockey game, playing a little bit of Dave the Diver, maybe laying in bed before I go to bed, play a little Dave the Diver, wake up in the morning with a coffee, little Dave the Diver. This game is charming as all, holy fuck. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. Um, incredibly fun gameplay loop. Uh, you go in, you're, you go into the ocean, it like regenerates a, a new area every time. Going down, fishing, uh, getting new fucking little treasures. You got these little missions going on. And when you're done fishing for the day, you go back to your sushi restaurant and you you set up the menus and you run the restaurant. And my fuck, it's a ton of fun, really quirky and funny, weird characters. Like, yeah, man, I can see I'm probably going to end up doing a review episode for Dave the Diver. There's uh it's a lot more going on with it than I was expecting, in a good way, not a bad way. It's uh, really, really good, man. And another game, like I got it. It's tw- I got it for twenty bucks. Can't go wrong with twenty bucks. It's a really fun game. If you need something like in between the bigger, beefier games, this is a great game, uh, especially on on handheld on Switch. I think that's the only place it's on right now. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but oh, buddy, Dave the Diver, really awesome, just on the side video game for me right now. If, So, yeah, Dave the Diver, really good. And I finished off the Modern Warfare 3 campaign, which, you know what, man? Uh, Everyone's giving it shit. I think, I thought it was fine. I, I actually thought it was almost good. Like, I know it was rushed, it felt rushed, 
And it was very, you know, Call of Duty generic. Like, all their campaigns, it's kind of the same deal. Um, but there was some fun missions in there. They they do this kind of open layout missions where it's not linear like your standard Call of Duty. It'll just kind of give you an area you can go out and, and do what you want, which I'm not really a fan of. It wasn't bad. It was just tedious. It's just annoying. Like, you're just like, all right, here's a big open area. It's like, oh, my God, every fucking video game's got to do this. And I don't know. It didn't, like, it didn't add a lot like I don't know it just feels forced that they're just trying shit and it was okay but there was some pretty good missions the story was okay like there's a pretty big event that happens at the end of the game but like I really just don't give a fuck about these characters the characters they don't they're just so generic war people and it's just it, it doesn't appeal to me but the gameplay was fine the shooting was good it was short but not as short as people are talking about like i think it was a pretty standard call of duty campaign four hours or so like they're never been long so i don't know why everyone's so upset about it that campaigns have never been long and yeah, it was just fine. It was okay. I don't think it was bad. I initially had Modern Warfare 3 on a particular award, but I took it off because I don't think it deserved uh, that kind of recognition. So, with that being said, that's all I've been up to. Let me know what you've been up to. So, let's dive into this, y'all. Let's do it. The 2023 XE Awards. Let's dive into it. Let's kick off with the first award. There are 12 awards this year. I was, I think... I think I only gave out like three awards last XEs, so I've definitely beefed up the amount of awards I am handing out this year. But let's just start out with the statistics from this year. I've played a total of 54 games this year. 48 of those games were new, and six of them were replays, where it's a game I played before and replayed it, rather for a let's play or a review or whatever. So 25 of those games I played on Sony, 17 on Nintendo and 12 on Xbox. I definitely uh, tried a little bit more this year uh, to spread the love a little bit. Uh, last year was very Sony dominated. Uh, very little Xbox. I think I played like five or six games on Xbox last year. But this year I got the Xbox uh, Series S. So I had a whole bunch of new games unlocked to me. So Xbox got a little bit more love this year. So did Nintendo. And that was nice. So let me know how many games did you play this year? I racked up 54 games this year. I think that's pretty good. So let's move to the first award of the XEs. I am going to be starting with the most anticipated game of 2024. Most awards here, I have five to six nominations. So we'll go through the nominations here. Rise of the Ronin, Star Wars Outlaws, Dragon's Dogma 2, Hades 2, Persona 3 Reloaded, and Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. Now, Rise of the Ronin is a game that has um, popped up onto my radar. I know it's it's probably going to be a good game. It could be a great game. I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be something like Ghost of Tsushima, but maybe a little bit harder. So I'm pretty excited for that one. Star Wars Outlaws, honestly, I don't have a lot of... Um, I'm excited for it, but I don't have like the highest standards for it. I think it's going to be... It's coming from Ubisoft, so it's going to be probably a really good to great game, but there's going to be problems with it. It's probably going to release like a little funky. Something's going to be with it, but it's going to be a really fun, enjoyable game. So I'm excited for it. Dragon's Dogma 2, I mean... I never, I still not have played Dragon's Dogma, the first one. I have it downloaded. 
ever since I saw that game, I was extremely interested. Looks super cool. Combat looked awesome. And the trailer for Dragon's Dogma 2 really wowed me. It looked awesome. And I'm really hoping that they can build on the mechanics that look so good in the first game. So I am very excited for that one. Hades 2, I mean, come on now. Hades 1 was one of the biggest surprise hits for me of all time. My game of the year in 2019, 2020, whenever it came out, loved Hades 2, put in like 90 hours, fell in love with it. It was so good. Persona 3 Reloaded, this one I am extremely excited for. I uh, love Persona games. I loved Persona 4 this year, and uh, I was going to do Persona 3 as well, but then this Reloaded thing got announced. So I was like, oh, sweet, they're going to you know, kind of fix it up, modernize the game a little bit, take out some of the tediousness, and yeah, it's going to be releasing day one on Game Pass, and I'm going to be there for that. I will absolutely be playing Persona 3 Reloaded, but... The winner for most anticipated game is Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. How can it not be? It is definitely, as of right now, the biggest name coming out in 2024. The original Final Fantasy, or not the original, but the first uh, remake part of this. Absolute, it just revitalized my love for Final Fantasy, So, and it just got me down the rabbit hole of going back and playing the old ones. I replayed, I finally got through the original Final Fantasy VII this year as well. And yeah, I, I can't, you know, I know it's a little bit, uh, everyone's picking Final Fantasy VII, but there's a reason for that, man. Like, it, it is truly, like, I was there in 2005 or whatever when they first showed the tech demo for Final Fantasy VII Remake. And I have waited very patiently, lost all hope, and then regained hope, and it came out, and it was actually amazing. And, yeah, I can't, like... And this one's going to be bigger. There And now we're, like... The first game was just scratching the surface of Final Fantasy VII. So this one, we all got a lot of big hopes for it. And, yeah, I, I think it's going to deliver and... Should be an amazing game. It's going to be a lot of people's game of the year, I imagine, for 2024. But we'll see where it goes. So most anticipated game, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Next award. So I'm going to be doing uh, two non-video game related uh, awards. So my favorite movie of the year. Uh, my nominees are The Barbie Movie. The Menu. These all, you know, they don't all... This is the thing about my award show. The... It doesn't matter what year it comes out. It doesn't have everything doesn't have to be from 2023. It's just whatever I experienced this year is in no nomination contention. Is that a sentence? I don't know. Let's try again. Favorite movie of the year: The Barbie Movie, The Menu, Oppenheimer, Pearl, Megan, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So, Barbie Movie, really good way much better than I could have ever expected when they first announced it I was like oh boy a Barbie movie what are they going to do with that and I thought they did a really good 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 freaking job with that movie man like it was really funny the cameos were on point the story was actually really good and I know people got pee pee poo poo pants about the whole masculinity thing or whatever the fuck but get over yourself and watch it it was really good the menu that was one of my one of the better horror movies I saw this year I really just I thought the story was great. The character was awesome, especially the like the head chef guy. He was very good. And I just got drawn into the story. And yeah, that was just a really fucking good movie. I think it was on Disney Plus. So check that one out. Oppenheimer, obviously, that was one of the biggest ones of the year. Pearl, again, another 
oh man, that was a really good horror movie right there as well. In the there's a it's in a franchise, but this was uh, really well done. Megan as well. I know some people didn't like it, but I really enjoyed the story that they did with it. I love a horror movie that isn't afraid to get funny. Megan got very funny and was awesome. But movie of the year, and for me, honestly, it's not even close. It's Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. Oh my God! It is these uh, Into the Spider Verse Spider Man movies are. The best Spider-Man things I've ever seen in my life. This Across the Spider-Verse takes it to another level of just fandom. It is amazing. It looks amazing. The soundtrack's amazing. It's incredibly funny. The action is there. The story is there. This is almost a perfect movie. Maybe the best animated movie I have ever seen in my life. It is so freaking good. It's streaming it just dropped somewhere. Someone's streaming it. Check it out. You got to check both them out. They're the best Spider-Man movies. I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. And I like the newer live action ones from Disney and stuff. They're good. But these ones are so much freaking better. You must check them out. By far my favorite movie of the year. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Now for my favorite TV show of the year nominees are Band of Brothers. An old one right there, y'all. Wrexham, welcome to Wrexham, Barry, The Bear, Atlanta, and Reservation Dogs. My award goes to, it's Band of Brothers, oh buddy, it's an oldie, but is it ever a goodie? This show legitimately had me on the edge of my seat, like fucking chewing my nails, like it was so good, it looks amazing today, like they used, um, if you ever seen, uh, oh shit, what's that movie now? Saving Private Ryan. If you've seen that, it looks just like that. But, oh my god, man. There are some episodes in Band of Brothers. Like, there's one scene in particular where the tanks come through. And, like, they just come through the fog. And it was one of the most intense, insane scenes I have ever seen in a show. I was just so blown away. And I'm shocked that it took me this long to finally watch the entire thing. I've watched an ep- like the first two episodes of it, and yeah, just didn't finish it, and came back to it this year, and it just blew me away. <laughs> if you have not seen Band of Brothers, highly recommend you go check that one out. It's an all-time classic, probably one of the greatest shows ever ever made, and it's it's not long. It's not long. It's only like it's like a series. It's eight episodes, I think. It's amazing. You will you'll be blown away. I feel like it's something that I'll go back and watch probably every like once every few years or something. Just go back through and watch it because wow, Band of Brothers absolutely blew me away. Uh, if you are looking for something that's not so you know war and sad and stuff like that, Wrexham is one of the most beautiful stories. Uh, made me very happy. So if you're looking for something uplifting, Welcome to Wrexham was amazing. Barry is one of the funnier shows that I saw this year. The Bear is just incredibly acted, and the story, the the way that they are able to make you feel the pressure that they are dealing with in that show is is nothing short of amazing. Atlanta, another really funny show. And Reservation Dogs, a mixture of wholesome, a very unique show, uh, Reservation Dogs. I would, all these shows, of course, they're highly recommended. I don't think you can go wrong with any of them. But um, yeah, man, these shows were all excellent. Reservation Dogs, just a good mix of everything. Comedy, just... Uh, 
community and oh it was a really good one really good one but my favorite was band of brothers now we go back to the video games now this one is tough favorite soundtrack of the year your nominees are sea of stars the witcher 3 pyre bayonetta theater rhythm final bar line baldur's gate 3 this one is extremely tough for me to choose. Every one of these soundtracks were incredible. The Witcher 3, like, oh my god, brings you right into that world, like Renaissance, and oh man, the music was phenomenal. Pyre, goddamn, what a charming, just soothing, chill soundtrack. Loved it. There was oh, there was that one jam in particular that really got into my into my head this year. Pyre was was such a good game. Bayonetta, I mean, Jesus, the the over the top. This game's music was in fucking insane. I did not know that Bayonetta had this kind of music, and I knew it was an over the top game. But the music, it, not only is it just like a fast paced, like beat heavy music, there are some just insane, like orchestrated soundtracks songs in this game that were just epic, so epic. I was really impressed with Bayonetta. Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line. I almost feel like it's a little bit cheating because it's all of the Final Fantasy music ever. From every game, every spin-off game, it's all in there. And it's just every amazing Final Fantasy song. But I could not put it in there because it's just... It was amazing. I mean, it's just all these amazing songs in one compilation. I had to I had to uh, nominate it. And Baldur's Gate 3, I mean, oh. Another just insanely huge epic soundtrack that was just amazing really brought the game to life and the big battles that you're having just crazy but my winner is it's going to sea of stars y'all every song in that game was awesome they were super catchy I don't think a soundtrack has gotten me so, like, I haven't been this addicted to a soundtrack in quite some time. The battle theme has been stuck in my head for, like, four weeks now. Ever since I started playing it and first heard it, I'm, I'm jingling that fucking goddamn battle song. It is so good. And I can't even tell you how many times I was I would smile when a new track would come on. I'm like, oh my god, is this game fucking kidding me right now? Soundtrack is insane. And it's huge huge soundtrack when I did the review for it and I was going through the soundtrack I was blown away at how many tracks there were and I went through every single track and every one of them listened to it about 15 20 seconds I was like yep I remember exactly where this was and uh, every song was so good and the range of music was out of control man I mean it was amazing. Absolutely, I don't even know what my favorite part of Sea of Stars was. Uh, the gameplay, the soundtrack, like it is insane. I would say it's a goaded soundtrack. It is amazing, and it's one of the most important things when you're making a good RPG. You gotta have the soundtrack. And wow, did fucking Sea of Stars ever deliver on the soundtrack? It may be a little bit recency biased. I will admit because I, I just finished Sea of Stars, but without a doubt, that game. What's consistently just blowing my mind with how good the music was, how catchy it was, and yeah, man, I, I'm giving it to Sea of Stars. That's my favorite soundtrack of the year. Up next, we have Retro Game of the Year. So this is a game, uh, this award goes to video games that are 
let's say pre 2000 like 10 kind of deal if it's well if over 15 years kind of deal now these games were in no worry about them being anywhere near modern because these are all very retro so my nominees for retro video game of the year are donkey kong country 2 final fantasy 7 final fantasy 6 Super Mario World and Super Castlevania 4. This is tough for me too because I am a huge Donkey Kong Country guy. I grew up on Donkey Kong Country. I've always preferred Donkey Kong Country to all the Mario games. Uh, and then you got Final Fantasy 6, arguably the best one in the series. And then you have Final Fantasy 7, which other, what's the other half say is the best Final Fantasy in the series. I would say that you're both wrong. I think there's another one that's even better, but maybe one day we'll talk about that mystery Final Fantasy game. Oh boy, this is tough. I will easily be eliminating Castlevania 4. That one, not necessarily disappointing, but I have waited to play this game for probably 15 years, getting at least 10 years. And I played it and I was like, yeah, it was good. It was good. It wasn't bad. It was just like my expectations were very high and I was very excited to play it. And it was just like, yeah, it was good. It was good. I actually played better Castlevania since then so and before. So yeah, it didn't quite live up to the 10-year hype that I was waiting to finally play it, but it was still really good. So I will give this retro game of the year. This is going to make a lot of people pissed off, no matter what game I pick right here. This is really hard. Oh, boy. I really had a great time with Super Mario World. I really, really did. Uh, Final Fantasy VI and VII? Oh, man. I don't even know which one between those two I enjoyed more. Like, that's a, that's a versus in that of itself. I'm picking Donkey Kong Country 2. Fuck it. It was the most satisfying for me to get through. Even though I've gotten through most of the game, I had never made it to, I think it's the fifth world onward, and i never beaten this game until this year. Yes, I used a lot of assistance, uh, or, uh, what do you call it, save states and shit on Nintendo, but that's what they're there for. I would have never gotten through the game otherwise, and... Was it ever satisfying? Now, all these games, aside from maybe Super Castlevania 4, are almost all on the exact same level. I got a huge amount of enjoyment from Final Fantasy 7. Um, 6 as well was awesome. And Super Mario World was a lot better than I remembered it as a kid. And it is, it's is—it's an all-time game. It really, really is. But Donkey Kong Country 2 is just such a special game for me. And it felt good beating it this year. So that's my retro game of the year. Up next, we have Indie Game of the Year for the best independent video game. Now, what is an indie game necessarily? Uh, Well, that's up for debate, especially nowadays, but it's going to a lower budget, smaller company, a cheaper video game, whatever it is. Regardless, here are my nominees for Indie Game of the Year. We have Pyre, Cocoon, Neon White, Inscription, and Sea of Stars. Now, this one was an internal debate. So I know my I have all my games scored out of 10, and Sea of Stars had the highest score, but it is not winning my indie game of the year. That is going to Inscription. Inscription was one of the, is one of the most unique experiences I've ever had with a video game. Incredibly weird, super fucking weird, but also incredibly fun. And it's like a card game, 
And y'all know I love strategy, so I was loving this card game fucking like strategy battle. But there was this incredibly weird mystery and very unsettling like setting going on in this game. And oh man, there is it is an experience you must try out. I very highly recommend uh, to check out Inscription. It may not be for everybody, but the experience is just so unique and weird and. Man, was it ever a fun freaking game. One of the earlier games that I played this year, and that experience stuck with me. It by far, it was the most unique experience I've had with an indie game in quite a little bit. Uh, sea of Stars, though, was it was the better video game overall. I will give it that, but it's an experience that I've had numerous times before. It is one of the best of those turn-based RPG experiences I have ever had in Sea of Stars, but it felt very familiar. Not in a bad way. It's not a bad way, but that's why I'm giving it to Inscription, because it was unlike anything I had played this year or possibly ever. It was so weird, but so cool. I couldn't wait to get to the next part of the story, and then it would just get weirder and weirder, and it just kept going. Fuck, man. Uh, Inscription is an experience. You have to check it out. I think it's on damn near everything. So, yeah, check that bitch out. It was unbelievable. Uh, Pyre was one that I've had on my list for years and years, and I've actually, I've owned it for years and years, and for I just never got to it, and when I finally did, it delivered, man. Pyre is a beautiful video game. Also very unique. It's almost like a it's almost kind of like Rocket League a little bit. I don't, that's maybe not the best compare. It's very unique. It's it's hard to explain because it's so different, but great story, incredible music, art style was nuts. I mean, you can't go wrong with any of these games on this list either. Neon White was an adrenaline shot of incredibly fun gameplay. If you want a game that, is, if you enjoyed Mirror's Edge and you wanted Mirror's Edge to be awesome, play Neon White. Check out Neon White. It is incredibly fun. I, I'm shocked that I didn't go back and play more of it because it was so incredibly addicting and fun to play, but Neon White, man, that game was awesome as well. That one, that was a game that immediately when I saw it, I bought it. I was like, God, that game looks so fucking fun, looks so cool, and I had to buy it, and it delivered. That would be, yeah, man, uh, Neon White. <sighs> Probably third on this list behind Sea of Stars and Inscription, and Cocoon. I know a lot of people have heard of Cocoon. Just a really awesome, non-hand-holding, respectful puzzle game. So I, I got to shout out Cocoon as well. But my indie game of the year is Inscription. Next up, we have the game that I played the most this year. So just the most hours that I put into a video game. Your nominees are... They're going to be a lot of RPGs. (laughs) Horizon, Forbidden West, The Witcher 3, Persona 4, Baldur's Gate 3, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. This is easy because it's just based on numbers. And the game that I played the most this year was... Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And by a pretty fucking good margin, I would say. I think I last I checked, it was 165 hours that I put into Tears of the Kingdom. And there was more to do. There's more that I could have done, but I felt... Uh, Pretty satisfied with 160 hours. That's quite a bit more than I put into Breath of the Wild. And Baldur's Gate 3, that's second place. And that's the only other game that cracked over 100 hours this year. And yeah, but Tears of the Kingdom had almost 50 plus hours on Baldur's Gate. And uh, yeah, so the winner for game I played the most this year, Tears of the Kingdom. Well done. Now we have this one I just added. I kind of like the idea of this one. So the next award is... 
Backlog Game of the Year. So this goes to the game that I still want to play the most and the game that I didn't get to play last year. Just didn't get to it. So this is going to the game that I want to play the most that is in my library or on my backlog. So the nominees are, these are the games I didn't get to this year but really wanted to. Sekiro. Mario Wonder or Sunshine. I would I wanted a Mario game. Uh, Wonder, I didn't have interest in it until it came out and I was hearing so many good things about it. And I was like, okay, I'm pretty fun. I really want to play it now. But Sunshine is like really high on my list because I've never played Sunshine and I have the 3D uh, All-Stars or whatever and I want to play it. I want to see what Sunshine is all about. Wulong Fallen Dynasty. This recently just popped onto my radar. Um, basically just because, you know, I kind of want to play a Souls-like game that isn't uh, from from FromSoft. S- kind of because I played Liza P. Kind of got me interested, so I want to try Wulong Fallen Dynasty. Star Wars Jedi Survivor. This one, I just ran out of time, and uh, it's very much... I'm probably going to be playing it within a week or two of this episode releasing because I, I want to play it. Uh, my buddy just finished it. My other buddy just started it. So yeah, I want to get in there and start playing Jedi Survivor. Metroid Prime Remake is another one. Uh, very high on my Switch list right now, Dave the Diver, and then it's it's Metroid Prime. So going to be getting into Prime really soon. But the award goes to God of War Ragnarok. This game I want to play so fucking badly. But I refuse to buy it because I'm paying for the PlayStation Premium Plus and every game that I fucking buy on my PlayStation ends up coming out a little bit after I buy it. So I said, that's it. I'm not buying any more fucking games and you guys better release Ragnarok soon because I want it. God damn, I want to play it so freaking badly. I want to, I need to, what I need to do, honestly, I need to go back, replay God of War 2018, play through that. And then I'll be ready for Ragnarok because, uh, yeah, man, I'm ready for that story. They dropped the DLC recently, Valhalla or whatever, and I heard that is awesome. So, yeah, God of War, tops of the list. It's not even close. I want to play that game so badly, but rather it's it's not going down in price the way that I want it to. I know what I'm going to get out of God of War, and I'm not willing to pay full price for it. I'm not even really willing to drop $60 on it, just because it's it's a game that I'm probably only going to play once, and that will be it. So I'm waiting very patiently, hoping that they'll release it. They released the last God of War on it. Took about a year and a bit, so we're over a year now. So I'm waiting patiently, but backlog game of the year, God of War Ragnarok. God, I want to play that game. Now we get to most disappointing game of the year. Now, this one was tough. I only have four nominations because, well, I am a gamer that knows what I like. So I play games that I I feel very confidently that I'm going to enjoy. I'm going to play through fully. And yeah, that's just the benefit of being a gamer for so long. I kind of know my taste now. So there weren't a lot of games that disappointed me. Um... But here they are. My nominees for most disappointing game of the year are Mario's Bowser's Fury, the second part of the 3D All-Stars, Halo Infinite, mainly the campaign, The Quarry, and Starfield. Your winner is Starfield. It's, yeah, man, that game, shit, dude. Like, 
I know it's, it's, it could piss some people off, but uh, Starfield didn't hit for me. I put in 55, 60 hours into this game, and it was just getting less fun. Every time I would play it, I was just more and more. All I was doing was going up elevators, talking to this person, going down another elevator, into a corridor, into my spaceship, fly to a planet, go up to another elevator, talk to this person, give them something... Bring, go back down the elevator, get in my ship, go back to the planet, go up an elevator, and give her the fucking thing. It was tedious. It was boring as all hell. One of the boringest, probably the boringest game I've played in a long time. I fell asleep three times in a row just turning on Starfield. It just immediately bored me, and I am beyond disappointed. It started out great. I was really enjoying Starfield. I loved some of the new mechanics. I loved the exploration. I thought the combat was good, not great. Some people are a little over, over going way overboard with the combat in, in Starfield. It's very just okay. There's not really a whole lot going on with it. Uh, like I don't even like it more than the Fallout combat because there's no VAT system. I love VATs. Love that shit. And there's none of that in Starfield. I found the exploration of most of the planets pretty barren and boring. The, the enemies were lacking variety. The characters just were not interesting to me. Most of them were just straight up annoying. The best character that I dealt with in Starfield was the adoring fan. That was the most unique, interesting character. And he was just a one-note guy. All he does is love you. Which is awesome. I love that guy. I thought he was excellent. But everyone else was so boring and just generic. And I found it to be an incredibly mid-game. Like, I was so let down. I literally bought an Xbox Series S to play this game. Like, I was, I got, I got sucked up into the hype train. Even though I knew my expectations were very, 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 very tempered for this. I know where it's coming from. And it just didn't deliver. Not even close to me. It really did feel like Fallout in space. Which isn't acceptable anymore. Like, Fallout 4, when that game came out... People were already ragging on it. Oh, it doesn't look that good. It feels like a PS3 game. And Starfield feels kind of like a PS3 game. Like, it's just... And so here's the big thing. My big problem with Starfield is... I was playing Baldur's Gate 3 alongside of it. And every, every time I went over to play Baldur's Gate... And tried to go back to Starfield... It was almost unplayable. I'm like, Baldur's Gate is so good. Everything about that game is amazing. And Starfield just... It wasn't respecting my time. It it just wasn't drawing me in. Missions were broken. Like, there was a huge quest line that I did. Like, eight or nine missions into it. Wouldn't let me complete it. And it was a known bug that had no fix. And the fixes came late. They're still coming very late. Oh, man. There's just... I was so disappointed with Starfield, man. I'm one of them. Didn't find the fun. I didn't enjoy the the... You can make your own bases and stuff. That was, like, simple and, and not all that fleshed out for me. Um, yeah, man, it was just an all-around disappointing game. A lot of the missions were just kind of like, go here, shoot that, pick up this, bring it back. And I swear to God, it, they might as well change Starfield to Elevator Riding Simulator because I have never played a game where all I'm doing is going up and down elevators all the time. In up and down in my spaceship. That's where a majority of the gameplay was. And just walking around doing nothing. Like there was so little action to Starfield. I was blown away, man. Really blown away. I was shocked at what other people were saying about it, like how good it was. And I 
All I can really speculate is that these people have not played a Bethesda game before. Maybe they haven't played Fallout or Skyrim. If you're someone like me that's played all the Fallouts, all the Elder Scrolls, this is a. It's just felt very tired. It felt very not enough new, and yeah, just very disappointed in Starfield. By far, my most disappointing game of the year. Um, when it comes to the quarry, I thought it was okay, but I paid a lot of money for it. It was short. It wasn't that scary. The story wasn't as good. They they haven't been able to hit that Until Dawn level. Like, Until Dawn was fantastic, and everything they released after that's just been meh, okay. Uh, Halo Infinite campaign pissed me off within, like, an hour. The open world crap was just so bad and generic and boring it felt so empty and yeah didn't do it for me did not enjoy that campaign at all and then bowser's fury so last year i'm pretty sure my most disappointing game of the year was mario's 3d land or world or whatever the fuck and the other half of it bowser's fury everyone was like oh it's so good it's so amazing i found it not that good at all honestly i i found it very overrated i thought the bowser thing was really annoying i liked the fact that the levels are like this one big area that was great i just found the levels pretty generic not that creative i felt the design of like the layout of the game was the most creative part the levels were mid uh bowser fighting him was honestly annoying so yeah i didn't like that game as a package as a whole like i found both of those games extremely just generic mario games like really lacking creativity and that's why i'm so excited for mario wonder because it Sounds like it fixes a lot of the problems that I have with Mario games lately. So, that is the most disappointing game of the year, Starfield. Now we get to Surprise Hit of the Year. A game that I went in with maybe some low expectations, but it absolutely blew me away. So your nominees are Pikmin 3, The Witcher 3, Wargroove, Baldur's Gate 3, Immortality, and Bayonetta. Your winner, Immortality. Oh my god, this game was... I had no clue I was <laughs> what I was in for with this one. I got so sucked in. What a weird game. And I'm so sad I didn't get to finish it because they removed it from Game Pass. But <clears throat> it's essentially your, this really, really weird mystery game where you're scrolling through movie clips and like behind-the-scenes movie clips of like real actors and shit. And you're trying to figure, like, oh, it was such a weird freaking game. I got really sucked into it. Loved playing it after work. Like, too tired to, like, play something serious. So I just popped this one on. You're just kind of scrolling through uh, little video packages. And you're like, oh, what the hell is that? And you, like, rewind it. And then all of a sudden, like, this new scene appears. Really, really unique game. I had no idea that I was going to like it as much as this. So Immortality wins my surprise hit of the year. Now, to explain the other ones, Pikmin 3, I've never played Pikmin before, and I loved Pikmin 3. I did not expect to fall in love with it as much as I did, and now I'm I'm wanting to get all the Pikmin and play all the Pikmin, so Pikmin 3 was a pleasant surprise. The Witcher 3, I put on here because I've played it three other times, and it didn't work. I didn't get into it. I didn't like it. And then all of a sudden, for some random reason, this fourth time's the charm. It worked, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Now, 
my reason, I think it's because I played cyberpunk and enjoyed cyberpunk a lot. And I was able to kind of understand what CD Projekt Red was doing with The Witcher 3. So I went back to it and just fell in love with it. The DLC was incredible. And yeah, so that's why that was a bit of a surprise hit. Wargroove, I just took a shot on. Recommendation, didn't even really look into it. All I heard in the recommend, recommendation was strategy game, and I just went and bought it immediately and loved it. Loved Wargroove. And right when I finished Wargroove, Wargroove, Wargroove 2 came out. And I didn't even know that was coming, so I'm very excited to play Wargroove 2 as well. Baldur's Gate 3 is because I had no idea what this game was. Dungeons and Dragons, dice rolling. I was like, what? I don't know about this. Took a chance on it, paid full price because the reviews were insane. My sister recommended it to me. I took a chance on it, and it blew me away. So obviously, Baldur's Gate 3 is there, and Bayonetta as well, a game series I've never played. And usually a game type, like their hack and slash crazy combo games. Don't really like those ones that much, but I loved Bayonetta. So that's why that was nominated as well. But the winner is Immortality. That game was fucking weird (laughs) but i loved it now before we get to my top 10 favorite games of the year i gotta do some shout outs so these are games that were more than likely on the list at some point throughout the year or just couldn't crack onto that list or i just couldn't justify taking something off uh to put it on there but i have to shout out these one two three four five six games so the shout outs are cocoon have to shout out Cocoon, one of the just really fun, enjoyable, thought-provoking puzzle game that makes you feel stupid at times and a genius at others. I was uh, really into Cocoon. It's short but sweet. I love a game that doesn't just, you know, make you play for eight hours because, oh, we have to make it a long game. Like, they gave you a beautiful meal that was no filler in it, just nice meat, and yeah, man, Cocoon was awesome, and it really got me into a little bit of a puzzle kick with the indie game, so I played Inside, and I'm gonna play Limbo as well, but Cocoon, man, that was a great game. Neon White, kind of talked about it already, but an incredibly fun, addicting game, super fast pace, um, addictive re- just play it again kind of gameplay, like, oh, I can go faster, I can get a little bit faster, really fucking fun game and it's fairly cheap now and you can get it on everything highly recommend neon white spider-man miles morales have to shout out my boy miles morales it was on the list for quite a bit of the year i really enjoyed miles morales the music oh the music in that game i should have nominated that one as well but music was was bumping i love miles morales i think he's an awesome character And it was a great Spider-Man game. Like, yeah, I know at the time when it came out, people weren't in love with it because they're like, oh, it's just more Spider-Man. But, you know, I had a good break in between Spider-Man 2017, whatever, the Spider-Man and this game. So I was feeling it. The Spider-Man 2 hype was there. I was like, oh, I'm feeling Spider-Man. So this game was awesome, man. I really loved it. And yeah, it is more of the Spider-Man formula, just a little bit tighter. Maybe the I like the story a little bit more. And obviously the lack of any Mary Jane missions was was great for Miles Morales, but amazing video game. You can get it dirt cheap as well. And it's just awesome. It's not the longest, like it's not your full Spider-Man game at like 25, 30 hours or something, but it's a nice 12, 15-ish hours or something. Yeah, Miles Morales, dope. 
Liza P. Gotta shout out Liza P. Definitely the best FromSoft style game I've ever played. It felt just like I was playing Bloodborne. I was blown away at how similar it felt. And that's so hard to do, man. Like, FromSoft has a special formula that they seem to have perfected. And you see other people trying uh, to to formulate and make their own FromSoft uh, Souls-like game. And, and a lot of them come up short. But Liza P, man, I think is absolutely worthy of being in that echelon of the FromSoft Souls games. Because this game was was great. A great game. Now, it was obviously boring a lot from Bloodborne. I even felt like the art style and the look of the game was almost exactly like Bloodborne. And the Pinocchio thing, this little theme that they got going on, it didn't really, they didn't really play with that as much as I was hoping for. Uh, They did, it just wasn't always there. And then I found the game kind of fell off a bit on the back half, but... I still really did enjoy uh, Liza P. I really couldn't stop playing it. I was just, it, it really does nail that FromSoft gameplay where you're just, the, the combat's really fun. And oh my God, the amount of weapons that they put in that game is is outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. And I'm actually, uh, I'm going to throw on a seventh shout out. I got to shout out Hi-Fi Rush. I have to shout that game out. Um... Other than Starfield, Hi-Fi Rush was another game that I was like, fuck, I kind of want to buy an Xbox because I want to play this game. Looks so good. Unique um, concept for a video game. It's like a hack and slash, almost like PS2 Ratchet and Clank style beat-em-up, but also a rhythm game. So that concept alone was just hook, line, and sinker. I was in, started playing it. It blew me away out of the gate with its art style, and the characters were great. But... In terms of the gameplay, it was uh, a little bit just kind of like fine. It was it like they used the the rhythm thing pretty good, but I think the game maybe went on a little bit too long, and the platforming stuff was very very generic and kind of just you're kind of just going through it. But the combat was great. It's the art style, the music, and the characters, the atmosphere that they build with Hi-Fi Rush that really just was amazing. Probably one of the best games on Xbox out there so i would highly recommend you play hi-fi rush if you have not yet check that one out and my final shout out is oh sorry there's two more horizon forbidden west this one was very difficult for me to take off the list but the more that i sat with uh horizon forbidden west after i finished playing it uh the more that i found that like it wasn't as amazing as i as i was feeling it was when I played it. It felt very long, a little too long, and yeah, it felt it just didn't grab me the way that the first game did, and that's normal for a new IP. If it, if it's really interesting, um, it'll grab me. But yeah, the the that magic is a little bit gone in the second game because you already know about of a lot of stuff, and a lot of the new mysterious magic is gone, but it is still an excellent video game beautiful video game i love the gameplay the combat is a ton of fun it's just like the story and aloy didn't quite hit the way that the first game is i don't know i got so sucked in to the story of the first game but the second game it just didn't wasn't there for me so i ended up taking it off the list but that is like probably game number 11 on my top 10 it's like right outside looking in the window and my final shout out before we get into the top 10 games of the year is Bayonetta I was 
just in love with this game. The, it just didn't stick the landing. The final boss infuriated me. It was so bad, but it was such a fun game. Uh, the boss fights were insane. The music was insane. The combat. The game is just insane. Like, that's what Bayonetta is all about. Like, your hair is your outfit, and you uh, you fight with your hair. It's a crazy video game, and I can't wait to play the rest of them. Uh, the only problem is getting my hand on Bayonetta 2. Not easy, not cheap, and, you know, I'm probably just going to have to suck it up and buy the digital version of it on Switch because... Uh, trying to find the physical on Switch, you're going to pay well over $100, and yeah, so we'll see. I do own Bayonetta 3. I really don't want to skip Bayonetta 2, but if I have to, I have to, but Bayonetta, man, that was a fantastic game. So those are the shout-outs. It is time, everybody. My official top 10 favorite video games of 2023. Number 10 is Pikmin 3. Damn, did this game ever blow me away. I think initially my review of the game, I gave it an 8 out of 10. After the review came out, I was like, what am I thinking? It's an 8.5 out of 10. Jeez, what an idiot. No, because the game is actually, it has a lot more to it uh, than what I actually played. There's a lot of extra modes to it. There's a multiplayer to it as well. So I bumped it up, but it was just incredibly fun. I've never played a Pikmin before, and I really had not much of an idea of what it was. But once I started playing it, I was like, oh my god, this is like a strategy kind of management situation. I love this, and it was so cute and quirky. It looked great. Man, it was really fun. Some of the missions were, you're just like going to collect fruit, and you bring the fruit back to your spaceship it's so simple but it's incredibly fun the pikmin are so adorable and oh my god i can't wait to go back and play through pikmin 1 and 2 and then to finally get to pikmin 4 that is going to be a lot of fun number 10 pikmin 3 number 9 hogwarts legacy this is the most recent addition to the list and it cracked in at number 9 i loved this game i watched all the harry potter movies leading into it and started playing it around the Harry Potter movies and oh my god sucked me in immediately with the atmosphere the music and it was a lot more fun than I was expecting I admittedly had some pretty not low but I had some middling expectations for this game when they announced it I was like ah, it's probably gonna be pretty good and it actually came out and it was great I think it's a great Harry Potter game uh it's going to be the best Harry Potter game I've ever played because it's the only one I've ever played but it was awesome if it was just if it just had Quidditch god if it just had Quidditch it'd probably be a bit higher on this list but man there's so much to do with it I oh the music was so spot on they really nailed the Harry Potter atmosphere. The story was so-so. It wasn't like I didn't get super into the story. Uh, they didn't... The villain wasn't as... it could have. They could have had a lot better of a villain. But I thought some of the characters around it, especially the character that I played, I really liked her. Some of the side characters were good. Lots of side content, puzzles, quests, like so much to do. And the fucking room of requirement was just so good loved it i didn't hear a thing about that when i got to it i was like this is so awesome adds in so much customization and man hogwarts legacy was awesome number nine on the list we move on number eight theater rhythm final bar line oh my goodness i love this game (laughs) i've never really played a rhythm game outside of your rock bands and guitar heroes 
And this is a rhythm game that uses like the buttons and your analog sticks to hit the notes. And it features all the Final Fantasy music from every video game from Final Fantasy 1 to 16 with all the fucking spin-off games in between, your tactics, your Crystal Chronicles, whatever the fuck. And they got downloadable content. You got Chrono Trigger songs. Like, wow. And this game, I have literally been playing all year long. I'm quite shocked that it didn't make it into my most played games. Because I have I play it almost every week still since I started playing it. I'll pop... I really was playing it the other day. Just popped it on, played some Final Fantasy 16 songs. And this is the game just just keeps on giving there's so much replayability to this game i can just play the songs over and over and over again there's so many songs they're all awesome because they're final fantasy songs it's an amazing video game the only thing like this is a rare situation where i actually wish i bought it digitally on my switch instead of the physical version because it's something i want on my switch at all times And now I got to carry around like a carrying case or have it in my Switch at all times because it's a game at like any point. Like, oh, if I got five minutes, I'll play a couple songs on theater rhythm. Oh, I got an hour. I'll play a fuckload of songs on theater rhythm. Like, oh, game is awesome. And it keeps bringing me back because there's these little challenges that I want to keep completing them and I want to collect everything. And just another reason to replay all the Final Fantasy VII songs again. I mean... This game was excellent. I've been recommending it to everybody, especially if you liked if you like rhythm games. This game blew me away. There's so much good music. Number seven is Pyre. Oh man, this one has been on my backlog for years. And I don't know what took me so long to finally get to this game. I really do have a problem with that. Like I have a a lot of indie games on my backlog and for some reason I have a really hard time starting up indie games but once I get into them I immediately fall in love and I'm like why why is this always why is it so hard for me sometimes to start up indie games I don't know uh it might have been because the the gameplay was just it sounded so weird but oh man is it ever a lot of fun it's like it's kind of like football where you got like a team of three going up against another team of three and the goal is just to grab the ball and get it to the other side get it onto their into their net basically but you got all these different classes and you're going up against these different unique teams and there's so many interesting weird personalities that you're meeting along the way and then the people that are joining your team they're all these really weird fucking cast of characters and then you also have this like really awesome like there's a really great story to it where you have to pick and choose who you want to kind of bring back to the real life because you're playing in kind of the afterlife so it's a really unique concept gameplay and storyline wise i thought the cast of characters were great a beautiful looking game like the art style is Mm, beautiful looking game the characters like i said were great the music was awesome nominated it for best music of the year it deserved it it was excellent yeah there i got a full review of it so if you're curious and you want a little bit more in information on that game it's really cheap now it's it's an older game but oh man is it ever still good today good enough for seventh spot number six goes to Inscription, my indie game of the year, and here it is on the list at number six. It's an awesome game, man. It is a very unique game. I don't know how much more smoke I can blow up its ass, but Inscription is one of the most unique, interesting indie games I've ever played. Number five, Persona 
4. Oh, buddy. So I have I've tried Persona 4 way, 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 way back in the day. I played it on PS3. I think they released it on PS3 or something. I played it. Didn't fall in love with it. Um, just wasn't for me at the time. And then I played through Persona 5. And then I fell in love with Persona games. Fell in love with Shin Megami Tensei games as well. And then they started re-releasing Persona 3 and 4. And they have the whole Persona 3 Reloaded incoming. So I picked Persona 4 because I've heard so many good things about this game. Persona 4 Golden on PSP or whatever. And that game's always interested me. Uh, I remember reading about it back in the Game Pro magazines before it came out. I was like, what is this game? It sounds so weird and unique and you're you're a school student during the day and you're fighting demons at night like what but oh my god like I was a little bit nervous with Persona 4 because I played 5 I was like oh is it gonna be like a real step back and honestly no I felt like Persona 4 yes there are some things in Persona 5 that make the game a little bit less grindy I guess uh, and there's some better I like the characters a lot more in Persona 5 but Persona 4, oh my goodness, great cast of characters, the gameplay is a lot of fun, the story is awesome, and I just love the little loop of, you know, deciding what I want to do during the day, do I want to hang out with this friend, do I want to go to the movies, do I want to study, and then at night you're figuring, like, oh, I just love Persona games, I loved Persona 4, music was excellent, I mean... Jesus, it's, uh, I wish there was more, I wish Persona 3 Reloaded was here today, and I could play some more Persona, but I will be waiting for that one, but Persona 4, man, don't miss out on that one, would recommend, if you could, uh, try it out on Switch, Switch handheld, I think that it's a great handheld game, and, uh, yeah, Persona 4, unreal. Number 4, it's The Witcher 3, oh buddy, I did not expect for me to love this game on the fourth time I mean I didn't like it the first three times but I tried it a fourth time because every once in a while like I'll listen to a podcast or some fucking video game whatever and they'll they'll just talk about the Witcher 3 like oh man Witcher 3 what an amazing game I loved it so much yada 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 the DLC incredible and I was like oh my god like it's one of those games that like I want to love it I tried to love it so much but there were some things that just it just wasn't getting to me and I was definitely overwhelmed with The Witcher 3. There's just so much going on with the map. There's a million question marks everywhere, a thousand things to do. It's pretty hardcore, like these poisons and all this. But I just tried again, started fresh, new outlook on it, and it hit. And it hit in a major way. Like, super into the story. I really liked Geralt and Yennefer. But it was the DLC that really, really put this game over the top. I can't remember which one it was, if it was, I don't even know the name, but it's, you go into this fantasy world, bro, and it, holy shit, like, now that is what DLC needs to be, that should be the standard for DLC, like, that thing was beefy, it took the game to a whole nother level of just, it looked better, that the area that you're in is gorgeous, the missions were awesome, it was hilarious, like, oh my goodness, man. Yeah, Witcher 3, I'm so happy that I was able to finally enjoy the game and, and understand why everybody loves The Witcher 3 so much. It is not without its faults. I have a review of it, and I talk about the faults of the game, but 
there's just so much good with the game too. And it was one of my favorite experiences of the year. The music was amazing. So much good music this year. It was definitely a year of fantastic music. Good enough for the fourth spot. Number three. This is the newest game on the list. And it is Sea of Stars. So you would think, you know, hey, Sea of Stars is higher on your overall favorite games of the year, but you didn't give it the indie game. Well, you know, if you listen back then, just a few minutes ago, I explained why I picked fucking Inscription, because it was so unique. And Sea of Stars, though it wasn't the most unique, different experience I've had, it's a turn-based RPG kind of strategy, a little bit of strategy in there, but they nailed it. They nailed every aspect of it. They... You truly feel the love that this developer has for turn-based RPGs, like your Chrono Triggers, Final Fantasies. Like, the love is there. Music's amazing. The gameplay is going to... It's a game-changer for me, honestly. It's going to be very difficult for me to go back and try and play some of the older turn-based games and, you know, knowing that Sea of Stars exists. And that combat system is amazing. It's amazing. It is so fun. It's so varied, like not one single fight felt the same to me. Every fight felt a little bit different. And yeah, man, the level design was excellent. Boss fights were excellent. Cast of characters were amazing. And when I did talk about, when I did the review for Sea of Stars, I didn't finish it. And I will announce here that they they nailed the landing. They did nail the landing. The final boss fight was a lot of fun. And the way that they wrapped up the story was really nice. My only complaint with it was that they are hiding the true ending from you. Um, that's like it's, it's just something that I personally don't like. Where it's like, okay, if you finish everything, we'll give you the real ending that you deserve. It's like, come on, man. I put 30 hours into your game. Like, I did everything except collect fucking 60 scrolls or whatever just give me the fucking ending but it was an amazing game man it may be the best turn-based rpg i have ever played uh it may not be my favorite of all time because of you know nostalgia reasons and stuff like that but this game is amazing i'm blown away at it it was it was truly truly amazing and thankfully i squeezed this one in at the last second it wouldn't have mattered i would have it would have been like first on the docket for 2024 but I felt like I had enough time to squeeze it in there. I've heard so many good things. And yeah, now I'm sharing my good things about this game with the internet. So it's a great game. Go play it. It's on Game Pass, I'm pretty sure. It's on the PlayStation Plus or whatever. It's amazing. If you can get it on Switch, play it on Switch. That's where that's where I think its home should be. But oh, Sea of Stars. What an outstanding video game. Number two. We're down to the final two. So when I say my number two, a lot of people are probably going to know the number one, but let's just rip off the band-aid. I'm going to be very similar to a lot of the other places this year, but number two goes to Tears of the Kingdom, Legend of Zelda. Now there's nothing wrong with being number two, especially on a year like this that has been such a banger, man. Like I looking through my list of every game that I played, there are so many eights like eight, 8.5s and above, like there are barely anything underneath eights. Like there's just been consistently great games back to back to back to back to back. And they keep releasing more great games back to back to back to back. It's just been an outstanding year. And Tears of the Kingdom, it came out, it almost caught me by surprise. I was like, whoa, the game is coming out in like a week and I hadn't even beaten Breath of the Wild officially yet. So I had to beat that, 
got into Tears of the Kingdom, and then had my dick knocked off, because Tears of the Kingdom did it, y'all. They really did it. Like, I thought Breath of the Wild was the pinnacle of what you can do with a Legend of Zelda on the Switch, and bam, they, they released Tears of the Kingdom. It's bigger, it's badder, it's crazier. You can do damn near anything you want. You can build anything you want. You can do anything you want. It's amazing. It was, it truly was consistently blowing me away. Now, the only reason that it doesn't get number one is because it's a sequel to a game that was very similar to it and experience that I already had. So that magic that the first Breath of the Wild had, it wasn't there for me in this game, but this game was still outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. It's the better game. Like, Obviously, Tears of the Kingdom is better than Breath of the Wild. If I played Tears of the Kingdom first, shit, bro. It could have been the greatest game for me of all time. But I've already had this experience. So that's why it comes down to number two. But I don't think I really have to say a whole lot about Tears of the Kingdom that you probably haven't heard already. It's an outstanding video game. It's I'm honestly just blown away that it exists on the Switch. I can't believe it, and it runs mostly awesome. Like, there was a little hiccups here and there, but the fact that this game exists on the Switch is nothing short of a miracle. Like, I can't believe it, and it's amazing. They really put in the love and care. I'm I, I, I'm just, I'm almost speechless, honestly. It's just, I was so incredibly impressed with Tears of the Kingdom. It's an amazing game. It's a game that everybody should play if you have a Switch and you haven't played it. What are you doing? Get on it. Get in there. Go spend 120 plus hours in in Hyrule and have a great time. But there's only one game that was better for me this year. And it is Baldur's Gate 3. It's official. Baldur's Gate 3 is the XC's game of the year for 2023. And wow, did this game come out of nowhere for me I had no idea this game existed I barely knew I knew next to nothing about Baldur's Gate the series and this game comes out I'm looking at the reviews I'm like what is this and I'm playing Tears of the Kingdom while this is all happening and this game just keeps drawing to me I'm like oh this game looks so good but am I going to like it finally pulled the trigger and oh my god dude this game's incredible I I know that the combat isn't for everybody, that kind of strategy over the top situation. But for me, I loved it so much. I love that kind of stuff. Kind of like XCOM, but a little bit more freedom. The variety, I mean, the classes, the characters, the music, the story. I couldn't believe the story in this game. How they were able to keep me engaged and and know what the fuck is going on with the story over the course of a hundred plus hours. I mean, so many games struggle with that. With me, like, I'll I'll play name random RP open world RPG. I do a couple main missions and then spend a few hours doing side stuff. Now I have no idea what's going on with the main mission. And Baldur's Gate, I never had that problem. They were consistently bringing it up or talking about this or that and. Oh my god, maybe the best cast of characters ever, the voice acting, insane. Oh, I love the gameplay, like, I truly loved it. I spent hours just lovingly playing this game. Even if I got into a big boss fight and, like, fucked it up at the end, I was like, oh boy, I get to go through it all again. Like, I know that's not something for a lot of people, but I just love the combat. I can't, 
Like, I hope I can come back and play Baldur's Gate again someday. There, like, I know I can, I can have a completely different experience than I had the first time, but it's a huge undertaking, right? It's a 100-hour game at minimum, I would imagine, just to get through it. But, wow, what an, what an adventure. What an epic journey. It had everything, laughs. It had tender moments, man. Like, I don't think I cried, but there were some fucking moments in this game, man. I have a big review of Bald... I don't think... Wait, did I do a full review? Maybe I did. It's, it's, it's back there. Go check it out. But Baldur's Gate. Wow. This game blew me away. I feel like it, it blew a lot of the gaming community away. Um, other than the people that knew about this game and, and all the time that it took for it to come out. But, oh my god, did it ever deliver... I, I love fucking everything about this game. It is the only game to this date on the GX Plus cast that I have given a 10 out of 10. It is the only game. So there you go, everybody. That's, that is my year in review, 2023. What a fucking year it was. And what a year for the GX Plus cast, y'all. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. It's been a great year for us here, just con- continuously climbing up with the numbers and the viewership. It's been great. Uh, I hope y'all that are listening slash watching are enjoying this content. I hope it's it's up to people's standards and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I would love to hear from y'all. What was your favorite games of the years? What was your favorite movies, TV shows? What games disappointed you? Like, did Starfield hit for you or did you love it? I, it's a very love and hate game. Like my homie Kyle, he loves Starfield. He had a blast with Starfield. Me, I just didn't. And it was disappointing. Like I feel bad about it. Like I wanted to love Starfield. I wanted to, I wanted to love Starfield almost more than anybody. But it just didn't happen. And I tried, but it just didn't happen, y'all. But what an awesome year of video games it was. Will it be... Will it go down in history as the greatest year in video gaming? It very well might be. It's definitely going to be in that conversation. It's been an insane year. Uh, And there's still so many more games to play, man. I can't wait to kick off the GX Plus cast in 2024, even though we're already here. Well, there you go. We're already here kicking it off. And we're doing it in style with the XE Awards. And I hope everybody enjoyed. I hope you enjoyed the episodes of Season 2. I hope you enjoyed everything all your fun crazy moments and stuff i don't know what i'm saying i'm just rambling now but again seriously thank you everybody so much for listening if you're new if you're old doesn't matter you're welcome here stick around follow on twitter watch these on youtube gamer gx videos all the links are in the description and buddy we will be back again with some more gx plus cast (laughs) 